Hello, and welcome to Life's Difficult, a podcast where we discuss the many challenging aspects of modern life and how we attempt to navigate them. I'm Milos, and as always, I am joined by my conversation partner, Mikhail. How's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. No, no real complaints. How about you? Um, about the same. Yeah, I think, uh, I think today's episode is going to be interesting. Um, Assuming we're going to be releasing this in the same order that we're recording them, it's actually going to tie in very nicely uh, to our last episode, which um, was, you know, the difficulty with uh, navigating university. And this is kind of then the next life step because this week we're discussing um, the difficulty with uh, job hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also interesting given kind of how our respective career paths have gone in that um, we haven't really gone the traditional route whatsoever. Um, it wasn't, you know, high school, university, and nine to five and you know, that's it yeah. for the rest of our lives. Not at all. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess we can, kind of like we did with the university episode, just give a brief overview of what our career path has been. So, um, why don't why don't you go ahead? Uh, sure. I didn't really have a career path for most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I Yeah, no, I, I worked uh, random jobs. I mean, I... In school, I was a lifeguard and and, uh, and swimming instructor for the city of Toronto, and that was great all up until my mid twenties. At which point, I kind of took a, a prolonged period of being out of work. I tried a couple trades, I didn't like that. Um, tried a couple sales jobs, I didn't like that. I ended up working in live event production for four years, mm-hmm. which was an interesting experience. Um, freelancing. Working just god-awful hours, terrible, terrible hours, just like giving up all my weekends and fun times for work and then doing nothing during the weekdays. It was, it was an unhappy life. Uh, then obviously, I went back to school, got my digital marketing diploma or whatever the heck we got. And uh, yeah, we worked at an agency together, mm-hmm. but it was fully remote. And then I flipped over and went nine to five. I went corporate. So I have a nine to five job right now, and uh, depending on when this is, was released, I may or may not have that job anymore because I'm actually <laughs> in the process of job hunting right now. So it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting time for me to be doing this podcast. Uh, well, what about you? What's your what's your career history look like? Um, I guess a little bit similar in the in those in that earlier period where um, post university. Well, I suppose it's not that I wasn't working, but what I was working wasn't earning me money in the sense that like <laughs> I I the dream job remains from back then and until now to be an author, to mm-hmm. be, you know, to be able to su- support myself writing. Um so I was doing that. I was putting a lot of work into writing on and off. Um but obviously no no money is earned doing that until you're uh, fairly successful. And then besides that, I was just almost, I, I, was, I was doing stuff with no actual intention of, of it actually being something that I uh, pursue seriously. It was almost like my parents would kind of suggest that, hey, you know, maybe you should be working. They're never very pushy about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would feel bad enough that I'd be like, okay, well, 
let me take this kind of very superficial gesture in that like it clearly wasn't going to go anywhere and I was just kind of going through the motions. So um, if I'm remembering correctly, not necessarily in this order, but I wrote articles for a mixed martial arts website for a while, uh, made next to nothing. Um, I was a personal trainer for a short period of time and I, you know, I got certified and everything for it. But again, I was just freelance with a couple clients that each lasted maybe a few weeks. So perhaps like a couple months, one summer in total. Um, I again did the, I got the accreditation necessary for being a, uh, a concierge, but they didn't have a position open for me, the, the, the company that I wanted to work with at the time. So I was then a doorman instead at the Shangri-La residences uh, for about 10 days before I was, <laughs> yeah, before I was done with that. Um, yes, and I think, okay, and at that point, um, I went to Red Academy like you. We got the DM degree or whatever it was. We started working at the same agency together, and while you eventually... Uh, went nine to five, I never did. So it's, it's odd. Uh, it's odd for me to even talk about job hunting because I didn't have to hunt for a job after Red. I got, we both ended up working at that uh, marketing agency because it was basically one of our instructors at Red who liked, I guess, the work we we'd done. We got scouted because we were dope because you could tell we were the best students in the class. Or the only two fools willing to work for nothing. I'm pretty sure it was that, but uh, (laughs) but yeah. So so uh, that was the vibe. He's and it was it was because I think I think he knew that he'd like enjoy working with us. He would like to work with us. And I I think we 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 kind of gotten across that we would be happier freelancing because he wanted our freedom. Um, Yeah. And anyway, so with that said, I I kind of will be mostly pushing off a lot of the kind of uh topics regarding this to you because and I, I don't have a lot of experience with this i should say one more thing um i actually so in between there i actually used to teach at red so red academy is a place is a place that you and i went to to go get a digital marketing diploma it's kind of like a boot camp that you can attend here in toronto they do three month class three month courses where you kind of where you know the instructors get you job ready and interestingly enough before it shut down I was actually working there as well while we were both working at the agency. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to help a number of students hunt for jobs. And I think I think this is an important thing just to stay here because I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's like, you know, there's there is some of the stuff that I want to say about this topic, I just want you guys to understand that, you know, it's not just coming from my limited job hunting experience on my own. It's it's coming from me having helped dozens of students prepare their resumes. I've helped dozens of other people, you know, interview prep get their resumes, teach them how to, you know, make a quick cover letter, stuff like that. I just do want to make it clear here that like, um, you know, this, the, these, cause I want to share some tactics with people. I want to share some practical stuff with people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this comes from not just my own experience of looking for work, but also helping others uh, like get, get jobs that paid them a lot more than they did in before or helping students break into the digital marketing field and, and, so I just, I just want to throw that in there because I just realized the way that I presented my career sounds like, you know, 
for a second there, it sounds like, okay, so these guys have no experience in about job hunting. I'm going to turn this podcast off. And it's like, no. That's yeah, true. That's, um, that's not the case here. I just want to make that clear. Um, but yeah. definitely take everything we say with a grain of salt because I might just lie to you guys. Absolutely. And uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's all a part of us indoctrinating our audience so that we can form a cult. Yes. The long-term plan is a cult. We're, I think this is the first time we're sharing that with the audience. Um, but, but slowly does it. Yeah, right? slowly. So, More on so. that later. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but yeah. Continuing on. Um, yeah, I, I will say, that, so two things there. One, um, because we're discussing the difficulty surrounding the job hunting process, mm-hmm. that I think any kind of young adult out of university or high school uh, can talk about because it's less about just like this actual uh, practical strategies, which is also important, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to talk about. It's also the mental hurdles as you just approach it, and that I think we can oh, yeah. definitely talk about and, mm-hmm. and is, is broadly applicable. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I will say, like, despite my, my um, experience uh, in terms of job hunting, I still have gone through that process, and I've been around enough people who have also been around that, uh, who, who have uh, been on the job hunt and looked at their resume and all that kind of stuff that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually clueless, but yeah. Uh, and keep in mind, like, I mean, you have other clients that you work for. Those are not clients that you actively have to go out and search for, but you still had to, you know, interview them, sell them on you as a person who could do work for them. And even though freelance is a little bit different, I actually argue that freelance is not very different from a job hunt in some ways if you know how to phrase things correctly. Um, but yeah, just the fact that like you know you, you, you don't just work for one place. You yeah, just to be clear, um, though I pr- primarily still work with that marketing agency. It is it's not only them. I have before actually before them, I work with somebody else, and uh, since then I've also uh, worked with other people as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, all of that now, uh, all that kind of preamble out of the way, mm-hmm. um, I think we should start from just a place of when you're approaching a job hunt, what's, what's the big concern? Like what, what, what's that one impediment where you're like, oh God, I don't think, I, I think I'm going to have some trouble or I need to, you know, cash myself mm-hmm. up or I need to prep or what's, what's that thing when you're approaching a job hunt? I mean... Personally, for me right now, it's figuring out where I want to go. I think for most people, it's going to come down to a couple things. It's going to come down to the practicalities of resume. Uh, It's going to come down to the practicalities of experience. It's going to come down to the practicality of education. And then it's going to come down to the the less practical but also very important um, vision for what you want to do with your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that, that one is kind of annoying because it's like, I know a lot of people are like, I don't know what I want to do in my career, but I need money. Um, there's a saying that says the best time to look for a job is while you're employed. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's one of the first things to consider is, you know, what's the biggest hurdle? Well, if you're unemployed, the biggest hurdle is to get you working somewhere ASAP if you need money, Right. Yeah. And it's being a little bit less picky initially and it's and it's, you know, just just going through the motions and, and, and finding where you can land and then from there building and then from there continue to, to look for something that suits you better. Um, there's some moral 
ambiguity here. It's like you're going to sign a contract with a company. They're going to invest in you and you're fully going to know that you need to go, that you're going to want to go somewhere else. Um, unfortunately, that's the way the game goes. I think, I think one, I think when I've had students talk to me about stuff like this, one of the first things that I always try to explain to people is, um, this is you, you're, you're looking for the job. It's your life. Don't ever feel like you, you have to be loyal to an employer, to an industry, to, you know, a, a colleague, anything like that. Look, if you can be loyal, that's great. But um, like, unless leaving is going to burn all the bridges in your network and absolutely ruin you financially going forward, which is very rarely the case. Mm-hmm. Usually if you leave, even if you leave on bad terms, what's an employer going to do? They can't do much. Um, you got to think, you got to look out for you. You got to think about you, number one. And unless you're in a job or in a, in a position that you're absolutely happy with or that you're maybe you're not happy with today, but you see the very clear path to where you want to be in, in, in this company and in these roles, um, you, you should be applying perpetually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there are two things there. One is the, you know, the moral issue and then the other is the practical concern. So mm-hmm. in terms of it looking you know, I don't know, poor on your resume or, or burning bridges um, to constantly be company hopping. Mm-hmm. That can become a concern if it becomes like uh, a pattern on your resume long term. But I, I think especially early on, you shouldn't worry about it too much. Like mm-hmm. first settle in and find your find a workplace that you're actually happy with and a role that you're happy with. So um, I think sometimes that is overstated. Mm-hmm. I think it's perfectly fine to to kind of job hop if, if necessary. To I get think started. another thing about job hump, hopping, and I guess this depends on what your field is. You can't do this in certain fields. Like if you're like a nurse or something, you can't really pull this off. Right. But in a lot of other fields, what you can do is you can just have a, just be self-employed for a little bit. If you're able to freelance, mm-hmm. then you can keep that on as an as an employment thing that it just stays there perpetually. You know, right. create a little business name. You You did whatever function you did there, put that on your resume and your LinkedIn. And then maybe you don't share some of your job hops. You don't have to tell you. It, no one wants to hear your entire work history when you send a resume or go on an interview. Mm-hmm. No one wants to know what you like. Did you spend a, six weeks of your life working at this company? No one cares. Um, obviously, they they they're gonna ask you for. They might ask you stuff around that to uh, to understand if you're loyal. And for this, I think you need to uh, willingly present only the best facts about you because if you know you're going to jump ship then whatever um but it's it's an understanding of you when you're looking for a job you have total control over your personal brand as you present yourself you don't have to show them that you've been job hopping Mm -hmm. if if it's not if if, again if 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 that experience isn't relevant to get you the job or if it's going to harm you don't put it on the resume you can have a gap in your work experience what are they going to say oh what were you doing during the time Taking some time off, understanding myself better, you know, reevaluating my skills. There's so many, there's so many things, and, and a lot of those aren't lies. Yeah. You know, maybe you were, you were building new skills. You were just doing, you were being paid while you did it, but you don't want to put that on your resume. It doesn't matter. So I think there's a big part of this where it's like, and again, this is this is another one of those things. Sorry, I'm just harping on this. <clears throat> I notice with, especially people who are new to the job hunt, it's 
this idea of like they have to be completely honest and, and, and forthcoming and share everything. And it's like, no, this is like dating. You don't, you don't want to tell everybody about your past relationships on the first date. Save that for like the third and fourth date. Keep, present your best possible self as, as much as you can. Okay, so this is uh, what I struggled with. And even now, I think a big part of what I find daunting is that the interviewing process is a game. Mm-hmm. It's not you trying to honestly represent the skills that you will bring to the table. It's telling a story about yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the comparison to dating is entirely apt because, and this is what I hate about certain um, societal expectations about dating as well, that there's an expect. There's, there's almost like leeway for dishonesty because like, yeah, of course on the first date you're going to embellish X, Y, and Z. I think that's absolutely terrible. I, I despise things like that um, in dating and in, and in mm-hmm. interviewing. I, so th- I, I think that's a big part of the reason why I'd, I don't want to go back on the job hunt even though now I'm much more qualified and I would mm-hmm. be much more confident about getting a job there would still be bits and pieces because they ask you so many things and you're, it, inevitably they're going to ask about something that you're not fully qualified for or um, something that you once knew but aren't quite comfortable with but then you just have to say you are. Like all these sort of little things and little lies that, you know, they're unnecessary. Like it should be very easy to say like, Yes, uh, I I took a course in whatever, Excel, um, so I'm very familiar with using spreadsheets. However, I haven't used one in, in a couple of years, so I'll need to like uh, kind of be brought up to scratch again or something. That should be a perfectly reasonable response, but nobody's ever going to say that. You they're can't just, say that. They're, yeah, they're, you you're just going to say that, no, you no, can't. I'm competent. At yeah. So I, I, I hate all of that, and uh, I, I have no solution for this just think, to, to, to just I've, I've i've found a way to eject <laughs> via freelancing but i i i just think it's awful i think there's a couple things to say there first off you want to present your best self but you don't have to openly and outright lie um there's yeah. a lot to be said for for brevity on when it comes to interviewing one of the things whenever i've helped people with interview prep and i've done this quite a few times one of the one of the things that i love to tell people is Whatever the question is, don't think that you have to give them an answer with point A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Some people think that, oh, okay, I have to tell you about this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. Even with your Excel example, do you need to tell them that you know Excel? Yes. Do you need to tell them point B? Oh, I've worked with it for this long. Oh, but I'm a little bit rusty. Oh, but this is what I'm good at. Oh, but I'm really good at this. Oh, but I never learned this part of Excel. No, just tell them the first two points of the story, always. Cut yourself off. If they want to know more, they'll ask you more. There's no such thing as giving too short of an answer on an interview because if they want more, they'll, 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 they'll pry deeper. You know what I mean? So give them the, and always give them the juiciest stuff. Do you know Excel? Yes, I know Excel. I've used it in the past to achieve X, Y, and Z. Done. Yeah, perhaps I didn't give the best example, and I agree. There's a huge difference between honesty and then being candid. Yeah. You don't owe anybody uh, you, you know, being candid. I think what you should owe uh, in terms of a personal principle is, is some degree of honesty but um maybe uh, this 
this conundrum that everybody faces at some point, which has become a bit of a meme, is um, you're demanding, every place is demanding five years job experience, so how do I ever get a job yeah. out of whatever yeah. university or high school? And so th there is, at that point, you it's much, much uh, more difficult to even be on selectively honest like it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's much more likely that you're just gonna have to outright lie to some degree and, or or really heavily embellish yeah and so i mean again that's kind of what i'm talking about um i i do think at that point like if you start early enough like i think and and money is less of a boot on your neck than some people mm -hmm. uh where you do have a bit of leeway maybe for the first couple of years of, that you don't need to be earning some big money I think you should have the, again, if, if this part of the job interviewing process is, is, is bothersome to you like it is for me uh, and, and you have that leeway, then I think maybe you have that, you, I don't know if humility is the right word, but you, you have that presence of mind to go start pretty low. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. So my older brother, um, is much, much more successful than me. He's worked at Amazon and Uber and uh, Tribal, like a lot of these, you know, pretty big kind of tech companies. Um, but, you know, to start with, he didn't really have a, a way in. He'd, he'd just finished with a law degree in England and then he came over to Canada with no interest in pursuing law. They didn't just make him a lawyer when he landed? That's, I'm afraid, not how it works. <laughs> what Canadian douchebags? He's from England. The, <laughs> as an aside, I will say Canada is just annoyingly restrictive on many fronts in terms of uh, vocational requirements. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, that said, so my brother kind of wanted to enter like the tech world. Mm -hmm. um, and he didn't really care how. He ended up in sales positions, but he just wanted to get in there. And so he was just immersing himself in this world. He would be going to like uh, tech meetups and he'd be following all these people on Instagram and other social media. And I believe the first job he got, which was basically like a loping internship, something like that, or even part of it was unpaid. He just, I think uh, him and I were at the Open Roof Film Festival or something. Mm -hmm. He saw a lady who had her own startup. And he's seen her on, 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 on social media. And he approached her and he got a job off that. So, you know, uh, it was just knowing kind of what he wanted and not caring that he's not going to make really mm -hmm. any money. It was just a way to, here's how I get my foot in the door. So I think that part is, and, and that, that is, a, I think, the closest parallel to the freelancing approach of like, we weren't doing particularly well in terms of our earnings with with freelancing, right? But you take that job so you can then get that experience. So then down the line, you actually have like quite a lot to point to. And that's when you can approach the interview more in terms of that selective honesty as opposed to just outright lying or heavy embellishment. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I actually don't agree with that approach as much as I might have a year ago. Mm. And I'll tell you why. When I was at Red Academy, I got the chance to teach students digital yeah. marketing. And one of the things that I noticed in teaching the students is that occasionally you get some students in through the door and you're like, all right, you are, 
you don't seem to you don't seem to care about the program as much. You're not as good at this, and any place that hires you is gonna have to do a lot of retraining. I see. But then you also get people who come in the door, and you're like, wow, you really learned this stuff. You have been you 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 have taken what we taught you about digital marketing, and not just understood it, but you've understood ways to apply it beyond this. There there like there are people who are just really good at, or you can just tell they're gonna be really great, and and. These are these kind of like having spent three months with a lot of these students at a time, you realize some of these people like they're going to be amazing workers. They're really going to they're going to do great things for a business and uh, they're in the same dilemma. But I have no experience. Yeah, you don't have any experience, but you're worth way more than what they're trying to offer you. And so um, my experience with a couple of these students was teaching them how to embellish the shit out of their resume and what they've done. And figure out how to make everything sound really good. Not because of the fact that, like, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with the idea of get your foot in the door and go. But I also want to present the, the opposite of that is that if you have the right attitude and if you're good at what you do, you don't have to have the experience to demand better pay. Mm -hmm. That's really what it comes to, and, and even a better position. If you can present maturity, if you can present intangible skills outside of just whatever they're asking for, you can be a business asset beyond just, you know, can you do job X, Y, Z? Can you be a media buyer? Can you do, can you be a project manager? Can you be a salesperson? Whatever, right? Um, and so while I definitely think your brother did the right thing because, you know, he clearly had the chutzpah, he just went in, he found what he wanted, he went doggedly after it, I think you can do both. I think you can go doggedly after it and be willing to settle for something, you know, just to get your foot in the door, but at the same time, I just think it's so important because I think it's so important that people, before they start the job hunt, really sit down and outline everything that they've done career-wise that could be seen as something epic and that they think that they could have built on as something epic. Because again, like there's so many aspects to your experience that people just gloss over. Mm -hmm. I had a student, she wanted to be a copywriter and you know she's like, well, I do have some experience. What experience do you have? Well, I used to write for this this paper back in India. Oh, but it's a small local paper for I forget one of the big cities. And I'm like, I That's think I know this student because I believe she might have called me for her. Uh, you know, at Red, you, you have to reach out to some people. Yeah, and, and do a, what's like the, informational what? interviews or something. Ask about the job, right? Yeah, I. I I think I spoke to her, which is it's funny. I didn't realize you you, you taught her. But anyway, go okay. On. So, well, she's an example of somebody who, like, and then she's like, and she's like, oh, but I can't play because it was back home in India and it wasn't that big of a publication and this that. And it's like, mm -hmm. are you crazy? You have real public. You're a published. Like, you're you're actually published. Like, yeah. and people don't. There's one of the things that I see the most in junior and people looking for junior positions and even people looking to move from junior into senior positions is overwhelming. I don't even want to call it humility because it's not, it's not being humble. It's a lack of confidence. Yeah. And that's why my number one message for people is, you know, put your big boy or big girl pants on and, and start to act like you deserve some respect because so far of the students that I've had, 80 to 70 to 80% of them have been worth way more than what a junior position would offer. And, and, and would like, if I had my own company, 
I'd be very, knowing them like I did, obviously. Yeah. I'd be very comfortable putting them in a position that's in the middle or even senior sometimes. And the reason why is because I had the three months to get to know them. When you're in an interview, you don't have that time, right? When you're in an interview, it's a, it's a game. That example that you gave about Excel, where you're like, oh, I'm good at Excel, but I haven't done it in a year. You can't say that other part because someone else is trying to compete with you to get that foot in the door. And once your foot's in the door, then all, all kinds of things can happen. I think from a moral perspective, you have to have the attitude of whatever it takes to, to do to excel at this job, I'm willing to do. If you have that attitude, I don't think you can oversell yourself. But you have to have that attitude honestly. Now, again, there's going to be some bad actors with this. There's going to be some people who are going to you know, sell themselves to the moon and then lay a big fat turd. Um, and that's just going to be part of it. But given the hyper-competitive nature of the job hunt, and again, like you mentioned, like the, the very... Um, what's the word the very almost if not fake but you know what i mean like the the, the inauthentic way that we interview and the way yeah. that it goes and the fact that you get like what 30 minutes in an interview and then another 45 minute interview maybe before you're hired that's like an hour and 15 minutes somebody spent with you can you bullshit your way through an hour and 15 minutes mm-hmm. everyone can it's easy peasy you don't get to know somebody until afterwards so i, I agree and again your brother's a great example because he's he's hella successful he's done great work with it um, and there's nothing wrong with getting your foot in the door. I just really, 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 really want to emphasize that confidence is so key. And even for you right now, like you, you can embellish and again, embellish, I use the term embellish, but a lot of it isn't even embellish. You just need to strategically outline some of the things that you've done and your, your resume and your interview can sound a lot better than if you spoke about it from a candid perspective where maybe you don't even value what you've done as much as another company might, you know? Right, yeah. And so I think that's so important. Yeah, and, and just to be clear, I, um, I gave my brother's example as a very, a ve- well, it's a very narrow example addressing what I was talking about in terms of concerns about honesty. It was not to say that that is the route to pursue. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, I, and also, to be clear, it's not to, uh, I'm not saying that... Um, you're entering this space of moral ambiguity if, if you don't go this way or something. I'm just, I was kind of almost expressing personal um, concerns regarding mm-hmm. it that, that I think hampered me in the interview, interviewing process and, um, and maybe how I've kind of just edged around it as opposed mm-hmm. to like uh, trying to dive back in. But that, that's a personal thing. That's not just tell others that they shouldn't do it. Um, and yeah, in, in, in terms of a lot of what you talked about, I think it doesn't even have a moral component because, yeah, I don't think you owe people everything in a job interview. You just, what you do say should at least be dealing with, you know, it should be the reality of, of, of your qualifications. And um, I don't like that you're incentivized to always be living on the edge of truth there. <laughs> Right, but but that I mean, it it's just unfortunately it makes or, it more of a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> it's how you get off on a it's, job yeah, interview. Okay. Keeps, keeps you feeling alive. Um, yeah, it, it's it's yeah. I, I I don't think I have I have much more to say there. It's just you know e- each person is gonna have to uh, find where their line is in terms of like how far they're willing to push things uh, along, and you know I've very good friends who push that line way, way, way past to the point where I'm comfortable. 
mm-hmm. and they're terrific workers. Like they're, they're terrific at their job, I should say, and they've been usually successful, way more successful than me, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's it's. I think where it's at, at at its most acceptable to me is when what what you're putting out there is what you almost are certain you're going to work there you you're going to work your butt off to get there as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that you're you're lying to to kind of you know game the system and get a leg up and not actually put in the work. It's like guys, I'm just not there yet. So I'm I'm going to have to, you know, embellish this that and the other, but like I'll be there in a few months and I'm and and then I'll be way past that in a mm-hmm. few months after that. So I'm going to end up being of, of, of a you know huge huge value to you i just need the time so you know th- that that that's that's uh that's different and yeah that, in that in many ways that's admirable and you're just trying to make do within this sort of slightly broken system yeah you 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 have to play the game right unfortunately it's uh it really does it really is very much akin to dating um in the sense that you know you're you have a very limited amount of time to make an impression, so uh, you know you better you better make one that they remember. Otherwise, you're in uh, you're in you're in trouble. Yeah, um, and 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 not to go down the rate uh, dating um, rabbit hole because that that's its own episode. But there are also meaningful differences here in that, like. Um, with the job interview, you do still have to, you know, present something, you know, semi-tangible in terms of like, or semi-concrete, I should say, in terms of um, your skills or your qualifications mm-hmm. or whatever you bring. Whereas dating is a personality thing, which can be filled with a bunch of fluff. So it can even be more superficial or, or but it could also, on the flip side, be more honest because personality is just an amorphous thing that is changing all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to navigate each space uh, differently because you can just outright lie about a qualification. How you present your personality, is, that's not a lie. That's just a different dimension to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, there are two ways to look at it. Like the, in dating, it can be uh, worse and you could be kind of more kind of skeezy and stuff if, if you go about it the wrong way, but also in the job hunt, you're actually in some ways more liable to just outright lie versus in dating. It might just be that you're presenting a different way, which is a little bit different than outright uh, outright lying. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess we can just leave that there and return to dating another day. Uh, <laughs> and how to lie to your date to maximum effect. Uh, definitely not, but... Uh, just kidding. You don't we, want to do that. Actually going to bite you in the butt down the line. um but yeah so having having talked about all that like what are some let's say more practical points that you want to hit on in terms of address uh approaching a, a job interview or a job hunt more generally um i think i think the first thing is to understand your own goals and your own vision for this. Again, I think one of the most important things is um, in working with people, talking about what they'd like to do for work, it's, it's, I find so often 
especially young people will make a list of generally reasonable things and then convince themselves that they can't have that. Oh, I want good work-life balance and I want to make this income amount and I want to be able to, you know, work remotely sometimes and I want this, but oh, I can't get all that in my field. Oh, I can't. And it's, and it's like, maybe you can't get it all today in the first job interview, but realize that, mm -hmm. you know, these things are flexible. Um, you, you need to understand what your ideal work experience looks like. And if you don't know what it looks like, just make something up. And if you can't even make something up, ask yourself, what do you not want? Right. Fill, fill out the answer. If, if you don't know what you want, ask yourself, what do you really not want? For me, one thing that I really don't want, don't want hardcore, you have to be there at nine o'clock mornings and that you're expected to be able to do things at nine o'clock. Mm -hmm. I am not that kind of person. I do not, I do not do mornings well. I don't like to wake up early. Um, I'm a night hawk. So if I have a job that where it's like, you know, you have to be there from nine and, you know, you have to be bright eyed and bushy tailed. That's not for me. Right. There, but there's a lot of other things like what's your income bracket that you need to be in? What's this? What's that? Um, create that list and vision and add to it as you go along and keep that in mind because that's going to be a huge part of determining success. Right. You need to know whether or not you're successful. And from there, I think it's just understanding yourself in the context of being worth all of that yeah um, I, I definitely uh agree and i'll add just uh don't just take whatever's given to you don't don't go in with the beggar's mindset oh yeah or, and that that's so common early on because you think you're you're, you're offering nothing of value and it's even possible that at that point you are um kind of underqualified and, and lacking skills. But as long as you are a hard worker and you believe that, you know, wherever you need to get, you're going to get there, sell that mm -hmm. um, and, and, and treat yourself as if, you know, I'm basically already there, not in terms of being, being presumptuous or taking it for granted, but otherwise you're going to end up possibly and more likely miserable because you you end up in a something that's a little bit beneath you in certain yeah. ways or 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 you just get thrown a bunch of stuff that that um i, I guess we can almost uh, talk about our early months to even maybe a year or two of <laughs> of freelancing where i think maybe even more so in your case um you took on too much stuff without necessarily really wanting to do it and it was just like I'm a new worker and I need to just yeah you gotta say yes to everything when you first start you feel like yeah 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 I, I think that's a that's a big issue but I think again the freelance experience that we got was interesting because I got put in a role where I got to do all kinds of stuff I was kind of right hand man to the to the founder of the agency so it came with its benefits and its downsides the downside is you got to do all kinds of tasks. The upside is that you get to see the business being managed really upfront. You get to see everything gets appear behind the curtain. Yeah. So um, there's good and bad in that. But there's something that you said before that, that I really want to I really want to jump on because again, this is something that I hear commonly, and I do want to talk about this. Um, the idea of like, uh, oh, how did you phrase it? You phrased it well, in a sense of like, don't be a beggar or or. Um, don't approach it with a beggar's mindset of, oh, I, I need to do whatever whatever I can to please these people. I, I think there's I think there's one thing that people always forget about work, and that's that you are never 
you, you're always making somebody money, you know? You're, you don't have a job because they just wanted to give you a job and create jobs. No, you're there because they're making money off you right. some way or, or other, right? So just remember that. I mean, I guess the one exception to that is like if you're in sales and you haven't sold anything yet, then yeah, you're probably just completely dragging the company down. Don't yeah. want to do that for too long. But in almost every other position, they're making money off you. You're helping them. You're helping the company attain its goal and making money regardless of where you're at. So just never forget that. Never forget your value in a company is that you know you are helping them build something. You're helping them produce something. You're helping them sell something. You're helping them drive their top line or their bottom line. And that should always be a reminder to yourself of like, look, you have value here. You are valuable here. They need you. You know, you're not just, I mean, sure, in some roles you can be expendable. That happens. But the minute you start to excel at your role, you will no longer be expandable. And, and, and expendable. And, and that's, that's an important thing to note as well with this. Because, again, I, I only harp on that because I've, I've heard too many people talk about getting a job or getting a, 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 a good job, I should say, at a company and being like, yeah almost overly grateful about it. It's like, be grateful, but don't do it to the point where you start to grovel at these people's feet. It's like... Or, or, or again, just settle into imposter syndrome, right? Like, at some point, um, you know, there's a distinction between I don't quite feel ready for this, but I'm going to get there versus I don't, I don't deserve to be here. I don't belong here. I'm, a, you know, I'm an imposter, mm-hmm. basically. So, uh clearly it's you need to let go of the, the the latter like that that mentality which plagues us all in almost every stage of life right like mm-hmm. i shouldn't if, if it's like you got into a good university you question that if you're finding a class difficult you've questioned that once you get into your first role uh, at, at whatever workplace again you wonder whether you'll ever really figure out how to do this correctly and um yeah, it, it it's just a great way to be taken advantage of at work. Mm-hmm. I I've 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 yeah I've I've known people where I'm just wonder what they're doing at their job where they're being treated poorly. It's not it's not good work and that's not stimulating. Um, they're not making good money. They're working atrocious hours. It's just everything is is terrible and they just. They're just stuck. They're, they've they've got their job. They're they're happy to get it, and then they just take a beating every single day uh, for the cause. Yeah, whatever that might be. So, yeah, I'm, I think we're really aligned on this. Like, know your value, and mm-hmm. and obviously put in the you know all that hard work and all that kind of stuff. But if you're gonna do that, then treat yourself the right way. It can't be that I'm going to work really, really, really hard and I'm going to put in all this work and I'm also a trash can for this company. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, you have to pick one. This uh, this actually brings up another topic that I kind of want to address here is that, that, again, back to that the whole confidence in yourself and, and presenting yourself as somebody who is good for the company and, and, and able to produce is the understanding that at some point in a job hunt, you're going to get to that phase that so many people are scared of, that so many people hate, that everyone needs to chill out about and just practice a couple times and then you'll do really well and that is negotiation. Mm-hmm. When when the money starts getting talked about, like I've, I've, I've helped people out and they're good, they, they do the interview prep, they're ready to do the interview prep, then they start talking about the money and uh, uh, 
You know, oh yeah. my God, oh my God, I, my, 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 my butt cheeks just tensed up to thinking about it. And it's common. It's a common thing. But the one thing that I wanted to say here is you in negotiation, you always want to have room to ask for more. Right. Always. You always want to have a room to ask for more. And you want to be put in a position where you can actually um, not just get more from your employer, but have your employer happy to get to give you more. Right. And this is where the psychology of this kind of plays in. This is where that whole part about it's a little bit cynical to think of interviewing as a game because it's like, okay, well, I'm here to tell the best version of myself, but I'm also, what am I supposed to pretend like my shit don't stink? Am I supposed to pretend like I'm better than everybody? Like I'm not. There's a good chance that they're going to pass over somebody who's more qualified than me who could have been better for their business, whatever. It's, it, I mean, just statistically speaking, the chances that you're the ideal candidate for somebody are low, yeah. very low. You're never going to be the best one. You're never going to be perfect, right? But it's your job to present as the most, um, as the most competent and capable version of yourself because it does two things. First off, it means that however much you ask for, you're more likely to get. First off. Second off, if you settle for less money, usually that comes with more scrutiny. Mm. That is, this, is, this is one of those psychological things that you know, we, we've all, we all know this. If you, buy, you know, if you buy something for a very expensive amount, the chances that you uh, criticize it as much find fault with it, find blame with it for the, any product, statistically speaking, is usually lower than if you bought something, and I should say relatively expensive to you because expensive mm -hmm. can mean different things. Yeah, yeah. What's expensive for Drake is not what's expensive for you and I, um, but relatively expensive. The, the chance that you're going to go find fault with it are lower, psychologically speaking. This is just like a trend that we see in people. The same thing goes for employees and services that you get. You as an employee, again, this is where I think think of yourself as a freelance worker works in your favor. We uh, we freelance before. When a client is paying you diddly squat, they are the rudest, the most annoying, the most demanding, the most critical clients that you'll ever have. Usually, on average. Yeah. When a client pays premium dollar, when they're when they're when you're bleeding them out the butt for the money, and they're ha they're gladly giving it to you. They tend to be more hands-off. They tend to be more kind. They tend to value you, and they tend to look at you as a, as 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 a um, as a subject matter expert because they gave you all this money. So you better be, otherwise, what are they giving you all that money for? Yeah, no, that 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 that's not only is it a really good point. It's just it's funny how that works. I've always yeah. found that amusing because you know, c coming out of red and getting a a job, of course, I. And just to be clear, uh, though we both worked at the same agency and all that stuff, mm -hmm. you were still working within a role that was very much based off the degree you got. Mm -hmm. That was less so the case with me because I wanted to go into not just copywriting, but a, a lot of my work was, was surrounding copywriting, which was not really covered in our digital marketing degree. It was maybe one small section of one lecture or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, 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 I just simply told others that I want to be a copywriter. I've got some writing experience. But as soon as I got the job, I was suddenly the copywriter at the agency. You know what I mean? Like I'd become like, I'd become an, a specialist overnight, even you though... You became the head of a department, essentially. All copy went through you. 
S sort of. I mean, like, I, I had the buffer of still having, you know, somebody at the head who would, who would kind of um, mm -hmm. look over my work and stuff. <laughs> but nonetheless, both, both at that agency, but also the agency I worked with uh, uh, at the same time, uh, who was also another person who had uh, who had been at Red, not not as an instructor, but still like working in some capacity, who had gotten to know. Um, she also would just say like, "Yeah, this is our kind of copywriting expert or content writing expert," because also did that, and it would be it would be insane because these people that I'd never met um, would then be deferring to my expertise that expertise that I did not have you know a week before but now suddenly I had to fill that role and I, I basically did right like I, I don't I'm pretty sure I never dropped the ball there I, I'm pretty sure people were happy uh, were pretty happy uh, in terms of like or were pretty positive about my work work uh, there and so it, it just goes to show also that there's also a level of kind of, yes, be good at what you do. Yes, be confident. All, but like some of it's just perception. So you just have to, like you were saying, present strong, present like as if you're really, in, well, you were talking about money, but like it's greater than money. It's just like you are worthy of your position here. Mm -hmm. You're worthy of even more. Of mm -hmm. more money m more like uh, a bigger role in the, in, in the company and so on like in certain fields like the competency doesn't necessarily get too much higher some of it just becomes in like the presentation and the interpersonal skills and and, and all that kind of stuff also elevating you i'll tell you one other thing that i that i realized working in business and this is something that i feel is so interesting about just humans sometimes your expertise is just you being it. Sometimes the, the, the reason why you go to subject matter expert is because you need something that they know. Mm -hmm. Other times you go to subject matter expert because you need someone else to tell you that your idea is bad, but you're not going to let anyone internally tell you. And this right. is something I noticed with the agency that worked at. We had clients, even today I have clients at my new agency where they'll bring up ideas that just are not ideal. Mm -hmm. And these are ideas that can't be shot down by people below them, by people in their in in their business. In some cases, not always. Some some yeah. companies are very open. You know, you can say whatever you want to the boss. But I've noticed that in in certain companies, especially if there's a rigid hierarchy, they go to the subject matter experts with ideas that are just meh. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know, your expertise again. It's not hard to spot a bad idea when you are not fully involved in a business in a weird way. Yeah. And, and, and it's just that understanding. When I say that, I don't mean to be like, oh, you're super smart. You're smarter than the CEO. No, but it's understanding that in a lot of businesses, um, and, and again, we'll probably notice this too with the podcast. We, we, you know, When you have your own enterprise, it can be very hard to be critical of your own enterprise in the same way that you'd be critical of somebody else's. Yeah. And a lot of times you need that external aspect of somebody telling you, okay, this is not a great idea. So. I just found it interesting how I noticed this with clients where it's like they present an idea and I don't, I, I don't have the same level of experience in running their business that they do, but when it comes to this one marketing idea, I can very easily tell them why it's a bad idea and they'll take my, they'll take my, my word for it and we'll, we'll see in the future that, yeah, that would have been a bad idea and that's what you're there for. So, and again, this is one of those things where it's like a lot, again, it comes back to that confidence issue. 
Sometimes the position that you're being put in is not because you are the most expertise person in the world who has all of the, all of the things that they need. It's because they need somebody in that role because a business needs people in multiple roles. A business needs somebody in a certain department whose job is just to think about this one X goal and to pursue it getting done. If you're a project manager, you don't have to know everything about project management, but maybe you know a little bit about how to you know, prioritize some tasks and your job is just gonna be to give pushback to other departments about like, no, we can't do that right now. No, don't do that. No, don't promise that. You know what I mean? And, and again, mm -hmm. those are simple things. That's like a human thing that anybody can do, but your presence in that role and your ability to grow in it and to look for ways to be better at it is so impactful. So when you're reading, and again, this is kind of a, a tangent now, but when you're reading those, those job descriptions, oh my God, the job descriptions. Very, very daunting. Listen, yeah. I, I, I can't tell you how many job descriptions I've read where I go to the interview and they don't ask me about any of that. And I'm like, you... You silly, silly people. I hate you so much. Yeah. Um, and actually, just one more point on this that I think is interesting. Now, I don't have, I, I'm going to look up the statistic for this. I'll put it in the show notes. But um, a common, a, a fact that I've heard multiple times is that on average, women tend to apply for jobs that they're overqualified for. And on average, men tend to apply for <laughs> jobs that they're underqualified for. And it's, and I mean, again, maybe it's the masculine bravado to just say, oh, I can, I can handle anything. I can do whatever I want. But it's just that understanding of like, even those statistics, I don't know how they pulled that because if you look at job postings, half the time they're, they're asking for, they're asking for the sun, stars, and the moon when really they'll settle for somebody you can like push papers. Like that's a bad yeah, example, yeah, but, yeah. but you know what I mean? There's, there's this, so there's, there's so much. And again, that's that whole part about acquainting yourself with the game of job hunting. Um, you should never feel remorse or in any way weird about sending a resume and a cover letter. And I, I guess I'll get into this a little bit uh, in a little bit, the, mo the, the more practical ideas of this. But you should never feel weird about sending it out because you have to understand that sometimes, and, and this, is, this is the biggest, the biggest kind of peering behind the curtain, the people writing those um, those, those uh, what's it called, the job postings. Yeah. Sometimes there are people who have absolutely no expertise in the job. They're just mm -hmm. an HR person. They don't know squat diddly about project management, about development, about computer programming, about project management, about all these other things, right? Our digital marketing. They don't know about any of them, but they do know what they Googled and what they've, what they've been told by other people in the company. So their ability to, to communicate this sometimes is very flawed. So it's like just understanding that when it comes to the game of the job hunt, there are so many, there's almost like subterfuge. It's like, it's yeah. almost like a game of espionage. Yeah, just to be clear, the, the game isn't just going in one direction. The game yeah. goes both ways and they're playing it just as hard as you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They want to find the most qualified people. And so, yeah, the job postings are part of that game of, of, of making every position seem like rocket science. Yeah. It could literally just be, you know, entering data, but but... They will six years of experience. In doing they will it. They, they will mention ten other things, and then yes, the the half decade experience mm -hmm. to do this like very basic task, um, and yeah, I, th I think that's huge. Again, don't be uh, dissuaded too easily by what you see. Mm -hmm. Actually, um, I mean this this will basically be my key takeaway. So I may as well just say it now. It's get in your reps. Mm -hmm. this, this is shoot your shot part of the part of the skill isn't uh 
the skills you're bringing to the position is the skill of job hunting itself and just doing it again and again. And through that repet uh, repetition, a few things will happen. One thing, you'll go dead inside. Just that's <laughs> <laughs> No, but... Uh, the, the, the thing beneficial is beneficial for all parts of life too yeah it's a really good way to <laughs> get through life but um I'm, I'm only half joking there actually because you do get a bit coarsened and deadened to some of the anxieties and the pride and all that kind of stuff you might be holding on to mm -hmm. and as a result of that you know it's less of a blow when you get rejected or when there's an awkward moment or you can't quite speak the right way and you'll keep getting better at those things, but you'll also occasionally experience them and it's not the end of the world anymore. It's not like, oh God, like I did this and that in, in this interview and I can't like, you know, face the world anymore. It's just like, okay, did that, get after it again. And then also, like you've been saying, you acquaint yourself much better with with that particular uh, industry and, and then the whole rigmarole around the interviewing process. So that you can see like, oh yeah, that job posting, I'm actually not qualified for that. And I actually don't think I should apply. And then a hundred other things. Yeah, they're just written this silly way, but I can definitely chase these these interview, um, these jobs and, and probably do pretty well. So mm -hmm. it's fr about figuring out the space and, and you can't do that without just hitting it again and again and again. Yeah. And I'd say even apply to all of them because sometimes like, again, very like consider this if there's 10 points on the job posting mm -hmm. some of those points are more important than others yeah but you don't see that it's not like they're like well 80 percent of the job posting is for you to have this one skill and then the next 10 are all like three percent each you don't know that so like just send it out like there's nothing wrong with sending out an exorbitant amount of resumes and cover letters and having a lot of people not contact you back mm -hmm. who cares that's just part of like you said get get numb inside get get dead inside to that um be very willing to, 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 to shoot them out there. Um, building off your point and basically the end, that, that the last few things that I want to say is, because you're absolutely right, the reps is massive, 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 um, is just set yourself up to, to win in the long game. The, job hunting should not be something that you absolutely dread. If it's something that you dread, get some help. What mm -hmm. is it that, that's, that's, that's hurting you? Is it the resume? Um, again, one of the things that I recommend people, a friend of mine told me about this. One of the things that I recommend that you have for your resume is you build a resume bank. When you are looking at different job calls and you see something that they want in your industry and you have any sort of expertise on that, copy paste that into your resume bank. Mm -hmm. So have like a, so what I, I literally have like a Google sheet, I have a Google document and in it I have a bunch of different things. So again, different workplaces that I've worked at with different, you know, you put your point, your point form work experience things, like your, your things about the work experience, right? When I see a job posting that asks for, you know, one specific thing, I will literally take that job posting, like rec like the thing that they're asking for mm -hmm. and figure out a way, if, if I've done it, I'll figure out a way to say that I've done that in my resume, directly responding to that. And as you build up, as you build up this Google sheet, what you're going to find is that eventually after, you know, if every day you apply to two or three places and you force yourself to add one prompt into your resume sheet, eventually you're going to have so many different things you can put on your resume based on different job offerings. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that you should 
customize your resume for every single one. No, you should have a standard resume, your boilerplate one, and essentially a standard uh, cover letter. Um, usually, if I'm sending a cover letter, I'll customize the first sentence. The first sentence should, should outline why you think you're a good fit and, and call something to company. The rest of it can be the same, outlining your experience and just say, oh, I'm, I'm a hard worker, I'm dedicated, I have the best attitude, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and then between those two, you have essentially something you can shoot out everywhere. But then when you find that one job offer that sounds sick, or you know this company, or this is a company you've always wanted to work for, or whatever, now you can go to the custom, to your, to your resume document and pull out, pick out all the best parts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that really helps. Get in your reps. Um, when you do start to get the callbacks, please, please, please take the time to do your interview prep. It's so easy. Literally, Google the 10 most common questions asked for people in your position. That alone has helped me interview amazingly well. And I think the last thing, and this is kind of a funny story, never take an interview to heart and always allow yourself to learn from it. In my most recent job hunt, I hit the ground running. I sent out resumes like crazy, and I was very quickly getting responses from people. And I remember I got this one response from this one company, I forget what they're called, um, but they had a learning, uh, a learning uh, management software and they needed an account manager, and I was like, this is sick, this is exactly what I can do. I went into the interview, I kid you not. So I, I made, the first interview was with a person from their like HR department, and they asked me a couple questions, and one of the questions he asked me, he tells me, he's like, wow, I've asked this question to like 13 applicants, and no one has been able to answer it like well, except for you. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's sick, awesome. That wasn't one of the questions that I that I'd studied, but it was it was it was a good it was like whatever. I, I just improvised an answer and he's yeah, like, wow, I, I remember I'm this. Definitely gonna put you through. I was like, okay, great. A couple days later, I sit down for this interview. It's me. It's two members from this company. One is the hiring manager. One is the director that would that I'd be working under. And they asked me a simple question like, what is your passion? And I'm thinking, okay, I want to give them everything about my resume. And at the time, I was looking for sales and account management. In mm -hmm. this, I was also looking for project management roles. I was throwing a wide net. Um, but for this one, I was thinking, okay, so I start talking about like the sales that I've done for my last agency, how I, you know, did this and that and this and that. And the lady just cuts me off and she goes, honestly, Milos, I don't think you're what we're looking for. You seem to really want to go and build something and grow something and do all this extra stuff. We really just want somebody who's gonna like sit down with the clients and kind of just farm the fields that we give them. And I remember being like just speechless because on the one hand, I was very flexible. I could do that too. Yeah. That's, what I, that's kind of what I do now. Um, but on the other hand, I realized, oh man, I've played my hand too strongly to be like, no, 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 wait, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. So literally within like six and a half minutes, they're like, okay, thank you for your time. Goodbye. And they hang up and I'm just sitting there with like my, like, just like, did I just, did I just have an interview end six minutes in? Mm -hmm. I didn't like I didn't I didn't even get like the courtesy of them asking me all the questions. Like, nah, nah, screw you, get out. Yeah. And yeah. that hurt. It took me like 15 minutes to get over the ego pain of like, oh my god, am I ever gonna get a job if this is how <laughs> I'm going? That was my first. That was the first interview I had too, where it was just like, ooh, mm -hmm. big old humbling blow. But what I realized after the the this thing had left is that they had now given me the blueprint for getting this one position at any other company. Mm -hmm. They had told me, they, as, as gruesome as it was to have them 
end an interview six minutes in. They also gave me very strict feedback about how I needed to present myself. And I did present myself differently based on their feedback for the next three, four account management positions that I, that I, got, that I went for and I got offered two of them. Right. So be aware, it'll be painful, there'll be bumps and scrapes and bruises, but it's all learning experience. And again, if you can play the long game, if you can get the reps in, you're good. You're Gucci. You'll get a, you'll get a sick job. You know. Yeah, I I feel like uh, kind of the overarching theme to w what you've been talking about, not only in regards to this, but before, is that ability to adjust, that ability to adapt even on the fly if necessary. Um, uh, the same way where you know you you want a resume that you can I don't want to say pivot from like position to position but like yeah I don't just have one resume even though like I'm not actively job hunting nor have I in such a long time mm -hmm. I don't have just the copywriter resume I also have a content writer resume and stuff and and like you talked about creating the resume bank which is just basically a big spreadsheet covering all these different skills and 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 qualifications it's worth remembering that everybody's looking for something slightly different and you 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 can you can template to quite a good degree especially with like something like a cover letter i i remember i just had a template that wasn't even my own i think i might have taken from my brother so clearly <laughs> he had success with it where you just fill in wherever whatever you need to and mm -hmm. you can you can it's still highly you can still end up with very different cover letters but you just work with within the same kind of basic framework and the resume is the same thing you'll have your foundation of like yeah I, I have this education and I have uh these few kind of core skills that are broadly applicable but then if these people are looking for a guy's going to write them a bunch of articles why would I tell them about extensive history about copywriting that has that's not going to really do much for them and the same way in the in an interview if if you if you're very open and you're not just going in fully game plan based almost, you you can possibly even pick up cues that like, okay, I need to throw out what I had in mind, keep kind of the core thing of like, yeah, the gen general questions, I'm still going to answer them a certain way, but clearly they're looking for B when I thought they're looking for A, so I need mm -hmm. to start like moving towards B. And yeah, if you fail along the way, like you said, that's a learning experience that you can you can grow from. So... Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, with repetition, actually, you, you, we, we talked about, again, jokingly, but only halfway joking that you go a little bit numb, a little bit mm -hmm. like Corson and stuff. Uh, but don't become a robot. Yeah. Don't just fall into a rut of doing the same thing. Still stay open. Still, like, especially, again, when you're sending out, like, 100 resumes, you, you can be exceedingly granular with all of them, but... Mm -hmm the ones that you actually get good positive responses with where you actually now care about the job, that's when, yeah, that's when you can be very, very um, flexible and really like uh, move around uh, whatever uh, barriers that kind of uh, job description presents yeah. so that you can be more suitable uh, for it. Um, but yeah, with that said, I... Well, I guess I'll just quickly say also know the difference between like being a bit numbed and coarsened for the better versus approaching burnout. Mm -hmm. 
burnout can happen. Um, it's completely understandable. And if, if you're in a position where you don't need the job right away, just take, take enough time for yourself to reset or maybe approach it and approach the job interview process where you have enough room to breathe that you're probably uh, not going to burn out or you'll delay burnout as much as possible. Because, yeah, that, that I think that's a real concern. I've seen it happen and uh, you just want to be wary of that. Because then it, mm. if it gets to the point where you're truly, truly burnt out then you don't, and you haven't gotten a job, suddenly what was already daunting suddenly becomes just the greatest obstacle in the world where you're just like, oh, God, I can't imagine doing even one more interview i'll just i can't handle it and you have to almost slowly build up to it again over maybe weeks or months which is can be catastrophic so yeah just uh watch out for that and otherwise i think i think that's it for me how about you in terms of any final points or take takeaways no i I think that's it take care of yourself and 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 remember that it's a a long game so keep playing it and, and happy job hunting and oh actually the one other thing i'll say I think we we both have brushed up against this a little bit and how in, in in this past I don't know hour or so that we've been talking but um it's also use you know use your network right like mm-hmm. if if I'm jumping back out there and I want to go maybe into more of a sales position or something I'm going to use my brother yeah right he he could maybe and and again not not necessarily even um at the places he's worked at, but he's now got a network through that of a bunch of people who were working at those places and now working elsewhere. Um, I talked about like how my brother used to go to these um, tech meetups. So you, you know, rub shoulders with a bunch of professionals in, in the, in the area there. It's, it's, you know, if, if, if you end up um, moving on from this job, well, you still know all these people that you've worked with mm-hmm. and, um, you want to continue keeping some kind of con- uh, contact with them because down the line they could you know you could help them and they can help you and that it's true with freelancing too right all the people that we uh, who, who we've worked with in in um in terms of various clients and with within this uh agency that we were both worked at they can really really help you down the line because all those people are in this especially in a place like toronto i'd say where it's still fairly small like you can all kind of have a sense of it of, of the whole shape of the you know digital marketing industry here um in a way you couldn't like in let's say new york and so you can really get really far by knowing the right people and um and it's not simply a matter of like oh well like i uh I haven't got job experience. So how am I going to know me, know, uh, know people? Like I said, you can go to meetups and simply rub shoulders there, and people are always happy to um, talk with you. There's a reason they've gone too, right? They they want to talk to other like-minded people. So, yeah, you utilize you utilize that the best way you can, and that'll that can get you a leg up. Of course, everything that we just said before is, is still completely applicable. You still have to get over that hump yourself. But it can make it a little bit easier or, or it can like give you that extra little mm. 5% that get is the difference between a good job and a great job. So keep that in mind too. Never never feel embarrassed about reaching out to people yeah. that you worked with or, or whoever who can help you uh, uh, get further. The only thing I'd add to that is if you're going to reach out to your network, 
um, in a position, try and get an interview or two under your belt before you mm -hmm. do that, just because mm -hmm. I don't want to see somebody else, you know, their first <laughs> interview is through a connection and then they put their foot in their mouth. So right, it's right. better to get a practice interview in. Um, but other than that, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Use the network. It's such a, it's such a big factor mm -hmm. and network if you don't have one. Yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, it, it it's applicable at any stage, which mm -hmm. which is, which is the empowering thing about it actually. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So with that said, I think that's it for us for this episode of um, Life's Difficult. Thanks for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you give us a positive rating, review, share the podcast, like it. Again, depending on the platform, do all the good things, um, and let others know about it if you will. Um, but yeah, with that said, uh, take care and we'll see you next week for another episode of Life's Difficult. See you then.